what an honor it truly is to be standing here today and being able to to share God's word and his truth in a, in a virtue that I uh, have been walking out for a while and not walking out alone, but walking out with Christ. So I'm super excited. But as Dr. Todd Merritt taught us last week, gratitude is everything and it's so important to start with gratitude. So I'm just gonna open us in prayer and just thanking God for, for this space and this place. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. God, that your presence is here. It's among us. It's in us. It dwells within us and it overflows out of us. God, we thank you for that presence today. God, we ask that your words would be heard today. Your truths would be heard today. God, your love would be seen today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I am just going to jump right on in. If you know me, I just like to get to it. So we're just going to dive right in today. We are going to be talking about empathy. Say it with me. Empathy. That's right. If you're like, why empathy? Um, it's a good question. I asked the Lord the same thing. Hopefully by the end of this message, we'll have a little bit of an answer about that. But just asking you and inviting you to lean in and let's just see what God has to teach us about this really powerful virtue. I believe it's a virtue that sometimes... Actually, a lot of times it comes out wrong before it comes out right. <laughs> um, we get it wrong a lot of times before we get it right. And sometimes I don't know if we ever really get it right and if that's the point of it. I know for me, I've been on the receiving end of it being coming across wrong a long time. Uh, and a lot of times, but I've also been the one to display it wrong a lot of times and in a lot of ways. But what I love about this is that God's word reminds us and he walks us through what empathy really is. And not only does his word, but he sent us his son as a living, breathing example of how to be empathetic. And so I think when we think of empathy, we can immediately think of thinking of the fe or feelings for another, right? Considering others, thinking of others first, right? There's a lot of verses in the Bible that, that tell us about that, like 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. And it says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And then there's Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 that says, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then there's 1 Peter 4.10 that says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And then we have Romans 12.15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And then we have Galatians 6.2 through 3, which says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. 
Aren't you glad you came to church today, people? I repeat, you are not that important, all right? And then we have Romans 15, 1. It says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. Try to do what is good for others, just not just what is good for yourselves. And then... 1 Corinthians 10, 33, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Okay, so that's a lot of verses, right? Talking about thinking and considering others and how we should, you know, think of others before we think of ourselves. But is that really all empathy is? Just thinking of others, Because if that's the case, we all should have gotten the mail this nice little Hallmark card from Jesus that said, hey, I'm thinking of you. (laughs) But instead, he went to the cross. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) Empathy is so much more than just thinking of others. So as we kind of dive in and we discover what that really is, I have homework for you guys. I've always wanted to say that. You have homework. Uh, And so I'd love for you, before the end of this service, yes, there's pressure with this homework, to memorize John chapter 11, verse 35. You guys, some of you are like, oh man, why did I come to church today? Well, here's the verse, guys. Look at it. Jesus wept. Praise God for that shortest verse in the Bible, all right? Uh, This is probably one of the shortest, but I believe one of the most impactful verses in the Bible. And we're going to walk through why, because starting in verse 33, so to set this up a little bit, this is the story of when Lazarus had died, and Mary and Martha, his sisters, were really devastated. Like, where was Jesus, right? I think we've all been there a time or two. God, where, where were you? <laughs> and so it says when he arrived, it says when in verse 33, when he saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved and, and, his, and his spirit was troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And then we have verse 35 that says, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, he said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Jesus, Lord, there's already a stench. She's been in there for four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you. That you heard me, I know you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. 
After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out bound, hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Then Jesus said to him, unwrap him and let him go. There's some powerful lessons in here about empathy that, that Jesus taught us and is still teaching us and giving us opportunities to learn in and grow in. And I think the first thing is that empathy is more than just knowing. We're talking about Jesus. He knew everything, right? He knew he was late to the party for Lazarus. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He knew what was coming. So he could have easily like, you know, hey, I know I'm late, guys. Sorry, but come on, people. You know, he could have got a crowd coming around. Come on, everybody, come with me. Wait till you see what I'm about to do. Um, he could have walked into this town celebrating like you don't even know. Yes. OK. And he could have just been like, you know, the biggest hype man ever getting people so excited about it. Um, but he didn't. <laughs> Instead, he allowed himself to experience the pain of others. He put down what he was feeling, and he stepped into where he was at, what everyone around him was feeling. Also, empathy is more than just feeling for others. He didn't just say, oh, I feel bad for you, but it's feeling with others. He said, I am there with you. And then what I love about this, too, is empathy. When we really walk it out and we practice it, it's not for us at all, but it is actually to continue to reveal the glory of God. And so in these moments, what Jesus is really teaching us is that empathy is a choice. It's a choice that you and I have to make every day, <laughs> sometimes multiple times a day, right? It's a choice of awareness of ourselves, of others, of our surroundings, of our perspective, <laughs> lots of choices. So why? Why would we choose empathy? Well, let's kind of dig in. I like to Find out what things mean. So we've been talking a lot about empathy, but what does empathy really mean? So to do that, if we take the root of the word pathy, which comes from the Greek word, according to our friends at dictionary.com, um, which means patheus, which is also has this meaning of suffering or feeling. So if pathy on its own means suffering or feeling, what does empathy really mean? How we approach that, how we look at that, how can we have a view with that? So we're going to add a couple different prefixes to this word and really see what it looks like to move and progress and walk into empathy. The first is A, and A represents without or not, which in that it gives us apathy, <laughs> without or not feeling or suffering. And then sim, which represents in union or relatable to, which gives us sympathy, 
which then tells us it's a relatable feeling or suffering. And then there's N, E-M, which stands for stepping into or putting on feelings or suffering. So basically, put it this way, apathy is, it doesn't affect me, I don't care. I'll say it again, I do not care, right? We've all had those words come out of our mouth at least once or twice or a few times, right? Maybe, maybe not that much sass as I have with it, but I don't know. <laughs> but we, we, we have that come out, right? We're like apathetic about something. Then there's the sympathy. Well, how does this affect me? I feel bad, so I want to do something. I know how you feel. Empathy, then, is actually, it's not about me. Church, it's not about you. Like I said, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> it's not about me. I'm going to choose to walk in your shoes and do something. I want to understand why you feel the way you feel. In today's terms on social media, I think apathy is like the, let me just keep scrolling. I'm just going to keep scrolling. You see something, you're like, eh, just keep scrolling, right? Uh, sympathy might, you know, hit the like button, the little heart, give a little heart emoji. Facebook even created that nice little care button so people can know you care. You just hit that, right? Um, but empathy, you might actually do something wild and crazy if you're walking out of empathy, and you might actually pick up the telephone and call someone. Guys, <laughs> you might say, hey, how can I pray for you? How are you feeling? What do you need? Can we get coffee? Can we meet? Like, let's talk. That's empathy in action. Another way is just apathy is like indifferent. You don't have a view about it. Sympathy, well, what's my view? Let me tell you what my view is. Here's how I see the situation going down. Um, and then empathy, what's your view? And really understanding that and walking through that. And I think a lot of times what happens is, I would care to argue that sometimes apathy happens out of ignorance because we don't know. And we live in a culture that tells us we should know. So when we don't know something, we immediately just get like, well, I don't want to talk about this. So I don't have any view on this. Um, sympathy happens out of experience. Maybe we've experienced something similar, walked through some kind of hurt. And so we know how we got, quote unquote, fixed. We know how we got put back together. So now we feel pity on this person or this, their situation, and we want to walk along with them and fix them. But empathy, I think, happens out of compassion. We don't desire to fix anyone. We actually desire to just sit in the brokenness with them. 
It's not our job to fix them. (laughs) But instead, love them as they are where they are. Jesus is the ultimate fixer. (laughs) And the best thing that we can do is display him to them. (laughs) Let them see Christ in us. (laughs) So, so many times in our lives, I think we, we can relate where we're apathetic. Sometimes we move into sympathy and we become sympathetic. But a lot of times, if we're honest, we probably stop there. We settle for being sympathetic when Christ has called us to be empathetic. But what does it look like to move from one to the other and keep moving? Because really, that's what it's about. The journey is just to keep moving, keep growing. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, Lord, let me be empathetic. And then instantly we wake up, we have the crown of empathy over our head, and we just walk out throughout the day. And um, that's kind of not how it works. A lot of times with empathy, we get it wrong a lot more times than we get it right. But I'm going to break it down a, a few ways here. One is, I believe, apathy ignores, sympathy assumes, but empathy asks. Great example of this, if you've ever served at the Columbus Dream Center, we have an amazing outreach team able to go out and, and take the meals and, and feed the homeless on our streets of Columbus. And so many times... The people that we're reaching are ignored. They see apathetic people every day walking down our streets, not even taking the time to acknowledge that they're sitting there. Sometimes people come and encounter them and assume, well, how can I help you? I want to give you this, right? But then there are those moments where a person sits down, (laughs) gets to where they are and says, how are you? Who are you? (laughs) Tell me about you. My mom displayed this empathy all the time to me Um, growing up. Let's just say people are not real nice. Can we agree with that, right? Um, And so for me, it was really hard because people were not always nice to me. I was ignored a lot of times. A lot of assumptions were made about me, but very few people would ask. And in the moments where I was just really in the the hurt, my mom had this great way, and I think she probably thought she was doing this out of her inadequacy, but she was really being the most empathetic person I have ever known when she would say, I don't know what to say. I wish I knew what to say. Tell me what you need. Those are some powerful words, church. And those words help me get back up, put Christ back on, and keep moving day after day. I think another area where we can move in that and it's displayed is that apathy, we're not moved at all. We don't really, like we said, we don't care. We don't want to do it, right? Sympathy, we're moved by, and then empathy, we're moved to. Great example of this is in 
the Bible when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so I am going to pick up this verse. It's Matthew 14, verses 1 through 18. I'm going to start reading at verse 13. It says, when he heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. I think in this story, what I, what I want us to know and what I want to set up is right before verse 13, when it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, what had, hap what had happened was, <laughs> what had happened was he had just heard about the passing of the beloved John the Baptist. And not only that he was gone, he was dead, but he was beheaded. Crushing news. Think about that. We all can probably relate to that, getting the news of, of losing a, a dear friend or family member, how hard that feels, the grief. <laughs> and so the crowds, they weren't moved by his grief, right? They were, they were very apathetic to that because they're like, no, Jesus is here. We want to see Jesus. So in this, I think the crowd represents that apathy of just like not being moved. They're still following him. They're like, oh, you're going over here? We're going over here, Jesus. Okay. Oh, he moved over this way? Let's go, let's go. Um, and then I think the sympathy being moved by represents the disciples. They're like, hey, we, we really need to get these people out of here. They're probably hungry, a.k.a., yo, Jesus, when we going to eat? We hungry, too, right? So let's make it about these people, but it's really because we're hungry. Like pretty soon we're going to get hangry and then some things are going to go down, Jesus. Let's get these people moving, right? But Jesus, he was moved too through empathy and not only once, but twice. The moment he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And then he fed them. <laughs> so it wasn't once, but twice. What an example of empathy. And then I think empathy takes us from no action at all to then moving into maybe a reaction and then stepping in to be a little more proactive. And the greatest example of this to me is my journey of faith, our faith journey. So many times we encounter Christ and we're like, well, not today. I don't really feel like that today. I don't, I don't really know much about the Bible, so I don't really know what I can do. So I'm not really going to do anything. And there was a lot of times where I was like, ah, uh, I, don't, I don't know what this means. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do this. And then it takes moving into like, whew, okay. <laughs> 
I can learn, right? I can ask God, what does this mean? So leaning in and moving. And then I became a little more sympathetic where my faith became a reactionary faith or a response. Where it was like, hey, okay, well, I should probably do this because that's what kind people do, right? Or I should probably show up at church tomorrow because last night was a little crazy, right? Or um, I should probably give this person $5 because I think that's what Jesus would do, right? We respond out of our action or how we're feeling. And then there's this opportunity to move into being proactive and understanding all that God has for us. That empathy isn't something that is a virtue that we're supposed to give and move and walk out on our own. But empathy truly is a shared virtue that Christ is linking arms with us and walking with us as we walk it out day in and day out. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and you feel pretty, pretty apathetic about the church. Maybe you're watching online and someone said, watch this. <laughs> um, maybe you're in one of our hundreds of prisons and you're feeling very apathetic about God. Or maybe you're, you're sympathetic of like, man, I haven't lived the best life. I probably should watch church. I probably should show up. <laughs> But I want to invite you today to step into empathy and put it on and walk it out. Church, would you just pray with me right now? God, we just thank you. Thank you that empathy is not only a choice, but it's a gift. That Jesus you sent him, you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. God, we ask today that you would forgive us of those sins. And God, allow us to take off our old self and pick up and put on the new. The old is gone and the new has come. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that in your love, in your grace, in your mercy, we can walk with you in empathy. We can walk out empathy. God, we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you read that or you repeated that and you have prayed that before. Maybe you prayed that for the first time. But I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable, just hold out your hands, palms up. And I want you to receive not my words, but God's words over what it really means to take off the old and put on the new. It's Colossians chapter 3. says, so if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, 
sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth, and do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, but Christ is in all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ to which you were called in one body rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and abonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word and in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Church, empathy is hard. <laughs> it takes work. It takes practice. <laughs> It means willing to get it wrong before we get it right. <laughs> but with empathy, we don't need to know everything. We just need to know the one who does. <laughs> because in Christ, we can put on his truth, his compassion, his kindness, and walk out empathy. And it doesn't take a large, big moment to really move mountains or slay giants in our lives with empathy. It only takes small, little acts of it. I remember for me, one of the moments was as a kid, I told you I, I haven't really seen empathy walked out well. Um, so as a child, there were a lot of times that People were very apathetic um, toward me. And so I remember my mom tells this story well, so I'm going to tell it from her view. She was washing the dishes, and my sister and I were outside playing. Yes, people, we went outside. We played outside back in the olden days. Um, but we were outside playing, and um, I had this little rhythm of where sometimes I would come in because I just need a break. <laughs> and 
and I would go behind the, the sofa. <laughs> Sometimes I would cry. <laughs> Sometimes I would remind myself who God has called me to be. <laughs> and I didn't run inside at the moment of the first word that I heard. I was running inside after like the 10th, the 12th. <laughs> And so my mom knew that it was really important for me to take that. And so she would usually give me a minute and then come sit with me or, or be there and check on me. But her first instinct, whenever she heard me come inside, was to look for my sister. <laughs> because she was typically beating up somebody. <laughs> so before my mom ever had to come to me, she would have to go to her to pull her off some kid. Um, but this time she couldn't find her. She wasn't there. And so she's like, oh, I'm going to have to put down the dishes. I'm going to have to go outside. I don't know where she is. And so she goes to walk, and she walks past the sofa, and she heard my sister behind the couch with me. And she heard her saying, don't listen to what they say about you. <laughs> they don't know who you are. You are God's special child. Church, you are God's special child. Those words weren't just for me, but those are his words for you as well. Don't listen to what they say, but pick up my truth. <laughs> and wear my truth. <laughs> Empathy isn't easy, but it's so necessary. It's necessary for this world that we live in. And honestly, it's necessary for us to fulfill and be the men and women that God created and designed each and every one of us, his special children to be. But how do we build it? We build it just like my, little, my sister did just when we were so little, by speaking truth. <laughs> we speak truth over ourselves. We speak truth to others. We build it by walking in humility. We don't have to know everything. <laughs> Just the one who does. And we build it by surrendering daily, putting down the old self and picking up the new. <laughs> You were given communion on your way in, so I'm going to ask you to pick that up. Uh, stand with me. If you're at home watching, grab some juice, some water, some bread, some crackers, and let's just take communion together. I'm going to challenge us to not just be so quick to take the bread and, and drink the juice, but really have a different perspective with communion this time. understanding what an empathetic God we truly have. 
Isaiah 53, 4-5 says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Verse five walks through four things that happened to Jesus in the process of the crucifixion. He was pierced for our transgressions. He had nails driven through his hands and his feet, representing the things we do and the places we go. He was pierced for our transgressions so that we didn't have to walk in guilt, but so we could walk in freedom. He was crushed for our iniquities. The crushing of Jesus is what happened in his heart. His heart was crushed for our iniquities says one of the guards wanted to make sure that Jesus was dead on the cross. So he took a, a giant spear and ran it into his rib cage. God knew that you and I would need so much more than our conscience cleared. He knew that we would need something to take care of our pains and our wounds and the hurts in our heart. Jesus's heart was crushed so that our heart wouldn't have to be. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. This is referring to the crown of thorns they put on his head to mock him. He took the fear, anxiety, and stress, and worry that once dominated your life, and he took it upon his head for your peace. He replaced that for his peace. <laughs> and then it says, by his wounds we are healed. The wounds represent the scars and the stripes on his back, the strongest part of his body, the place where we have strength. It says the, the cat of nine tails was embedded in his body. <laughs> and ripped out 39 times. So that you and I could have strength. <laughs> we no longer have to hide behind the sofa and get refreshed. <laughs> we no longer have to walk in a room and feel weighed down and burdened. But we get to put on his love, his grace, his kindness, his mercy, and we get to carry it wherever we go. So as we take communion, let's remember that when we truly remember everything that he has done for us. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. This is my body, which is for you. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you can proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We get to walk in his glory. God, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, God, to share empathy with us, to lead us, to be empathetic, God, in a way that we never knew we could, nor we could ever be on our own. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.